Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. and welcome. You have tuned into episode number 191 of Linux in the Ham Shack. And we are a week out from Hamvention 2017. And there's a significant change if you haven't listened to the past couple of episodes. And we'll start with that. My name's Russ, K5TUX. And out in getting warmer and almost summertime Big Sky Country, Montana, we have Bill, NE4RD. Good evening, everyone. And sitting across from me, we have Cheryl, K-E-0-N-L-C. Yeah, yeah, I got it, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, most people should know about that by now. Yeah, well, that that call sign is hopefully going to be gone by tomorrow. Yeah, pretty pretty soon. We uh, (laughs) applied for a replacement. Yeah, Yeah, Saturday night about 6 o'clock. The call sign that I wanted was W5MOO. And it wasn't due to come available until Saturday. Saturday. So at like six o'clock Saturday night, I told Russ, I was like, get in there right now and apply for that call sign. So, and I'd already given him a list of other ones that were, you know, acceptable, I guess. So I don't, I don't think there's going to be a big pile up for, (laughs) for that call sign. So I'm pretty sure you're going to walk away with it. I still love KM0000. It is horrible in its elegance on morse code because except for one lonely dit it is entirely does yeah <laughs> but uh that was one of them you applied for though right no i didn't apply for that one why you you had six different options you'll you'll get one of those you don't need you don't oh. need that two by three so okay whatever but yeah i'm pretty sure you're going to wind up with w5 moo so we'll report on that as soon as it happens whiskey five mike oscar oscar yep yep Oh, sound good. Yeah, it seems to be that because of the way the call areas are laid out, the zero call area has more, it seems, of the call signs taken than other call areas around the country. Um, it seems like from our searching that the three call area has the most available for whatever reason. That'd be the Northeast, right? The three is like uh, New Jersey and Delaware, I think. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, some, something along those lines. And maybe Pennsylvania. I think Pennsylvania is three as well. But for some reason, there just don't seem to be as many call signs taken in that, that call area. So if you're looking for something, look in three land. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because numbers don't really mean anything except for your, you know, initial issuance of your call sign. Right. Right. Well, it, didn't it used to be that you had to have um, your call sign include your, your real call area? Wasn't, yeah, wasn't that mandatory? Yeah. But I mean, they still recommend you, you know, do a stroke portable or whatever, you know, or a but, stroke, uh, whatever your actual call sign is, or call yeah, area is. So I'd be like any four RD stroke seven. Right. And she'd be W five MO stroke zero. And so would I. So yeah. Yeah. But nobody does it. Yeah, of course not. I mean, there are some very rare. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, see, Let's, they, they screwed up in the, in the offering of vanity call signs in any call area. See, that's where they messed up. So, yeah, I think when that kind of came out, that's, that's pretty much put the, put the fork in it. <laughs> right. All right. So anyway, enough about that. Um, I guess we'll just talk about him mention for our, uh, amateur radio topics for the evening. 
I uh, have a bunch of stuff that I wanted to go over from, you know, people that we visited with and talked to and all of their projects and everything. But, of course, I didn't get around to finding all of that stuff. So I'm not sure how much I can really say about it. Do you have anything, like, that you brought to the show tonight? Or are we just going to kind of just BS for a few minutes? I was just uh, planning on BSing, really. Um <laughs> You know, just kind of wrap everything up. I mean, we had the Sunday. We didn't record anything. We were kind of tired and just basically uh, showed up in the morning and uh, uh, talked to a few people and then started packing up the booth. And uh, so, uh, you know, we did get a run around a little bit. You you got to buy an antenna. How, how did the antenna work on the ride home? Great. Yeah, the antenna worked fine. No no falling over antennas. Yeah, it, it did not keel over <laughs> at any point on the ride home. So which is a good so there's a plus right <laughs> yeah there's definitely a plus and it's got the it's a wide it's a wide band receive antenna as well as being a dual band uh for transmit it covers mm-hmm. uh it's like a it's like a disc cone or whatever it has that loop in it so it will cover uh 25 to 1300 on receive so i thought that would be handy because i like to have some of that stuff like emergency services and weather bands and and all that uh, and like aircraft and so forth programmed into the radio. Uh, see, I don't know if that will actually improve the receive, you know, all that much, but it, it was a reasonably priced antenna. And I've already forgotten the place that I got it from. MTC. That's it. <laughs> oh, MTC. MTC yeah. Yeah. Out of Paris, Texas. Right. Cause, uh, KF7IJZ came over to the booth and he's like, and I told him I was looking for an antenna. He said, buy it from MG- or MTC. Yeah. It's like they're, they're sponsors of us or something, some, something like that. So, you know, it's like, whatever you do, go buy it from them. So that saved me a trip around Hamvention, I guess, because I just went over to the MTC booth, which was, oh, 30 yards away, and uh, just picked it up from them. And they they were already pretty much packed up as well. And that was, I don't know, about 10, 10 o'clock. o'clock yeah, yeah, 10, 10 yeah. 30 on Sunday morning. So, yeah, they were they were packing up all their stuff into the van, too, and getting ready to, to haul out. So. Uh, I would like to point out that when we got to Hamvention, although it was a little late, not much, though, um, it was starting to look like a ghost towner so <laughs> yeah the flea market definitely looked like it had emptied out and the vendors you know several we're of them had, had already up. packed up and the rest of them were going quickly yeah, uh, i think the uh, flea market was uh you know pretty much a soup by then from all that rain yeah. overnight yeah everyone was talking about have you know having mud up to their calves basically walking around in the flea market which i did not do yeah and, no no i didn't get a chance to go out there either did you not you didn't go at all no, no. Oh. I just just those ones that were right there between there and the the beer truck. God, oh, well, yeah, because that that was an important stop, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw them. I was, I was, I didn't really look at what they had, but uh, they were right there. And I would like to point out that Bill actually drank more during Hamvention than I did. So yes, <laughs> in a in a strange turnabout, he needed it after being around us. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was uh, medication. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> You have to get off the IPA stuff, though. IPAs are horrible. How can you drink that? <laughs> uh, lots of practice. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, because uh, I would need a lot more than practice. I would need, like, Quaaludes or something in order to drink an IPA. <laughs> this stuff is awful. Oh, no, 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 no. It's, uh, it's just more fuller in flavor. Yeah, it really has, it takes a refined palate to uh, enjoy an IPA. <laughs> and you're such a bullshitter. You are. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, Sunday was really weird because uh, yeah, I did take a quick run through uh, just to see which which people were still there, which people were packing up, and uh, there were a lot of lot of empty booths. I, I would say probably 
20% of the indoor ones were already packed up. The ones out in the tent, there's probably a lot more of those guys that were already gone. Well, some people were packing up out of our building on Saturday night, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like, uh, you know, um, Kale and those guys, they were packing up and leaving on uh, Saturday night as well. But I think Air Spy stayed Sunday morning. I still saw those those guys over there in their booth. So, yeah, not everybody. You know, some people were only planning on the two days, you know. So they, they, they don't even stay for Sunday normally. I don't think there was anything to do with the venue per se on that. No, I, even at Dayton, simple. I think they were packing up early. Yeah, everyone seems to pack up a little bit early. I was kind of surprised, though, that pretty much straight up first thing Sunday morning, we were busy yet again, even though, you know, you could tell people were just kind of uh, wandering in slow and, you know, half the booths were already starting to pack up. But we had decided that we had a limited stock of the things that we were giving away. And we basically said that when this stuff is gone, we're, we're gone. Out of here, right. <laughs> And it didn't take long. I think within an hour, maybe an hour and a half, we we were out we're and out, started yeah. packing up. So yeah, yeah, it was all gone really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's you guys we, had a good drive home, right? Oh yeah, the drive home was great. I mean, pretty much uneventful. You know, we we spent a lot of time going to Hamvention. We spent you know a few days doing that, but then on the way back, we did the whole thing. You know, in one ten-hour stretch, but. Yeah. Well, we stopped in St. Louis for sushi on the way home. Well, of course we did. <laughs> because that's what we do. So. Yeah, that, that's exactly what we do. And if you're ever in uh, St. Louis, check out Sushi I, and that's spelled A-I, Alpha India. They have uh, three locations. There's one downtown, one in uh, Clayton, and one in St. Charles. Charles. Yeah. yeah. And the St. Charles one actually has a Groupon, but their regular price is twenty one ninety nine. I want to say nineteen ninety nine. Okay, it's nineteen ninety nine for dinner, twelve ninety nine for lunch. For lunch, so. and yeah. it's all you can eat sushi, and it's not like oh, not crappy sushi. It's good. It's sushi. really really good sushi. It's like made to order sushi. It's not like you go and there's a big buffet like you go pick sushi off of plates like everybody. You actually just order what you want, but you can order as much of it. So. Yeah, really, and on really Sunday, good stuff. Oh, and on Sunday, it's buy one, get one half, half off. off. Yeah. <laughs> so. so we ate for 30 bucks on Sunday, So and we were nice. stuffed to the gills. Yeah. <laughs> so. Because how can you pass up all-you-can-eat sushi? I mean, I think we every town we go to, it's like, you know, the first thing we do is, is there an all-you-can-eat sushi place here? <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know, then we go eat there. Yeah, because so. there's one in, in Kansas uh, City. Well, yeah, outside in it's in Shawnee Kansas, Mission, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, we eat there every time we're in Kansas City. So, and you guys got home before I did, which was yeah, unfair. Well, yeah, well, it wasn't supposed to work out that way. You had a little problem in Minneapolis with the plane. Yeah, yeah, the plane was delayed coming from Boston for whatever reason. Maybe it was coming from uh, uh, the UK or something where they had that outage. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I yeah, I didn't even take off until what was it like ten ten something uh, right. central. And you guys were almost home or at home by that point, right? No, we, we, we got were. home. Close. Yeah, we got home at 10, so we were yeah. at yeah. home. Yeah. So you but, were home before I ever left Minneapolis. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, you actually got an earlier flight out of Dayton, right? To Minneapolis, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I figured I'd hang out at Minneapolis. That would be less painful than hanging out at Dayton for <laughs> six hours. So, uh, you know, the thing is with going to Montana out of Minneapolis, there's literally two flights. So there's one flight in the morning, about 10 o'clock in the morning. There's one flight at 10 o'clock at night or, you know, 9.55, whatever. So not too many options. I knew I was going to be stuck there no matter what. But I figured, hey, if I can at least get there, I would uh, I would just chill out and wait and 
Right. I was just hoping that they wouldn't cancel the flight, but they, they said that can't happen because the plane has to be there in the morning to take people back out of Billings. So uh, no matter what, they're sending a plane there. <laughs> right. Doesn't matter what time it actually leaves, uh, uh Minneapolis, but you know, it's there. Yeah, your, right. your wife may be picking you up at the airport at three in the morning, but yeah, you know. exactly. <laughs> exactly. And of course, when we land, we landed at the same time that the, uh, uh, Salt Lake City flight comes into Billings. So of course, there's only ground crews to support one plane. So we had to wait on the tarmac for a little bit that was exciting <laughs> just add insult to injury yeah that right. sounds like our local airport so yeah we have a really small airport so all right well we've we've already uh effused greatly about hamvention and how good it was and how good it was for us one thing i will do is quickly bring up the folks who donated to the uh generosity campaign yay uh, yep uh those are the ones who actually got us uh the booth uh, enough money for the booth uh, and a little bit besides and then of course the donations that we got at hamvention uh far exceeded our wildest imaginations um we we talk about this every year about how generous folks are but we also talked this year about how great the show seemed and when we actually tallied up the donations it was actually quantifiable because i think we wound up with about twice the number of donations that we got or used to get, you know, in previous years. So, but unfortunately we, you know, except in a few cases that we will be talking about in later episodes, um, we don't know all the names and call signs of those people, but we do know the names of the people who donated to the generosity campaign. And I will go through them. Now we have uh Coos Vandenhoot, which, um, let's see, I don't have all of the call signs here cause they're not all listed, but that's uh P E four K H. He's uh, out of the Netherlands. No, Belgium, Netherlands, something like that. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so, something over there. Somewhere over there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not in the U.S. There right. you go. <laughs> yes. We also got a donation from Ham Radio 360, believe it or not, from George Ooh. Zafiropoulos. So, nice. Yep. So thanks, Thank George, you. for that. We got one from Scott Gottfried, and I don't know a call sign or anything on that one, so thanks, Scott. Uh, we got one from, and I have to say this, <laughs> James Titzer, <laughs> um, which um, I think I mentioned his name before. I think he signed up for the mailing list or something as well. So thanks for that. We also did. We also got a donation from Steve Sainer, and somebody knows his call sign, right? Not a fan. Yeah, no. he's always in the chat room. I just can't remember which which of the folks in the chat room he is right now. <laughs> Uh, we also got one from Paul Griffith, uh, from Jonas Rulo, who has been amazingly generous to the show over many, many years. So thanks, Jonas. Jeremy from uh, Ham Radio 360. No. KF7IJZ. That sounds right. No, he's an eight, isn't he? No, I think he's a seven. He's KF7 because these are from like Phoenix or something. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he just lives in Ohio now, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So uh, he said something to us when he was at the booth that Donald Gover is like the best friend of podcasts ever or something along those lines i tend to agree because uh donald has or don has donated many many times and he donated as well this time and he stops by and sees us and he stops by and talks and and all that uh we also have don rhodes we have gene anderson uh patrick collins uh, november 8 victor whiskey and finally whiskey for alpha lima delta austin denier so those are all the people who donated to the generosity campaign thanks so much for that 
And like I said, we would love to be able to thank everybody individually, but I can't even, I, I, I think we got on the order of probably two to 300 uh, donations at Hamvention. And of course, we don't have any idea who most of those people are, but thank you to yeah. everyone who, who stopped by. And our mystery donor showed up again. And, and we didn't catch him we again. Did not, we did not catch him again. <laughs> it was definitely on Sunday, though. Was it Sunday or Saturday? No, it, no, it was, was Saturday. It was Saturday. Yeah. It was Saturday. It was late, late Saturday. It was, it almost, was while we were recording. Yes. That's what we figured. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, because the box, the donation box had been emptied right before we started recording, and it wasn't in there. Right. And then I emptied it. A couple of people had stopped by after we were done recording, and I emptied it out and went, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So sometime between 4 and 5 p.m., real, real late on Saturday that it happened this time. So now we know when it happened. We just still have no idea who. They're so. very sneaky, <laughs> I, and I like that. I think that's very very cool that they do that. So yeah, yep. That's great. So. Uh, so thank you sincerely to whoever you are, and you've done it every year, I think, yes. that, that we've been there. So yeah. um, we, we never reveal the amount, but it, let's just say it's, it's uh, substantial. very substantial. Yeah. So. Uh, it helps us out a lot. It goes a very long way to keeping the show on the air, and we really appreciate it. So, All right, that's enough about that. I didn't get a chance to see a whole lot of it. We were so busy with the booth. We've already said that. Um, and I and I kind of hope that it's the same way next year that I don't get a, to see a whole lot of it because <laughs> that just means we're we're busy helping folks and promoting open source and, and talking to, to people and uh, getting them on, on their way with, with using Linux in their ham shack. So... Yeah, if you're if you're not on Facebook, or if you haven't seen the pictures that I posted on Facebook, at one point Saturday morning, I was actually studying to take my test, and Russ and Bill were in the booth, absolutely slammed with probably 20 people crowded around the table asking questions. And I actually posted a picture of the mob in front of the booth because i was i was overwhelmed and i wasn't even in the booth so i can't even imagine what they were feeling so um well actually it just made the days go by really fast because you're just so busy all the time talking and and answering questions and and just having a good conversation that you didn't even feel the time go by it was just you get there at you know 7 45 in the morning and the next thing you know it's six o'clock at night and you're headed back to the hotel so yeah and see that that was actually different than the hair arena because we would have periods of just nobody at the booth. Let me uh, say a sincere thank you to Bill, because I don't know what the hell he would have done if you weren't there this uh, year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was just good fortune that you're, you were the third person with us this time, because if it was just the two of us... Uh, I wouldn't have taken my test, yeah. number one. Well, so I don't, I don't know how we would have handled it. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah, well, I, I really I had a great time, and it was a, it was a pleasure uh, being there with you guys in person. So. Cool. <laughs> Well, definitely, uh, definitely do it again. So, wow, and, you, you, uh, you're keeping your co-host. He's not yeah, quitting yep. after hanging <laughs> out with us for oh, a weekend. Oh, sorry. You didn't get the memo yet? Oh, crap. <laughs> 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 well, I forgot to hit reply to all. That's what it was. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you can't get rid of me that easy. All Jeez. right. Good deal. So, yeah. No, it, was, it was a blast. I mean, it was so, so fun talking with everybody and. I was uh, I was really expecting not much traffic. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, this is going to be a cakewalk. We're just going to sit around. And, you know, probably just sit around and drink the whole day. Yeah, shoot the breeze. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was just nonstop. And, you know, it was like we mentioned before, like you know, the questions were, were great. They were intelligent. And, you know, people really knew about Linux. And, you know, it wasn't like we had to sell it 
Right. <laughs> a lot of people were frustrated with, uh, you know, uh, they just had the that uh, virus or whatever ransomware go out just like a week before. So it's in the news. People are already talking about it. And they're like, yeah, I want to I want to get ditch the last couple systems I have. And, right. and uh, glad we were able to be there to kind of talk to them about that. Yep, all good, and we're very much looking forward to 2018. And we've already heard that it will be in Xenia again at the same venue, so uh, be looking forward to that. And, uh, well, that wasn't a guarantee, unless have you gotten something. No, no. No, I, I was told that there was a almost definite positive happening. Right. So. Yeah, unless... Well, there's been a lot of good news articles and stuff. I don't know if you guys have followed it, but there's there's been a lot of good local news articles out of Xenia and stuff like that, talking about how happy they were and, and how they're looking forward to future events, how the... Um, the, I think they figured out how to handle the traffic the first couple of hours there on Friday. Yeah. Since when we got to town. They can avoid the fender benders. It'll all be good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, they got serious about it on Saturday. It was all fixed. And, you know, there were still just as many people there Saturday, if not more, than there was on Friday. Right. Yep. It's going to be good. It was fantastic. It was a great move to a new venue. Uh, Looking forward to it doing it all over again next year and uh make sure you book your hotels early because they go quick <laughs> yeah i don't think they've released a tally on uh on visitors yet so that's what i'm still kind of waiting for to hear just to see what size it actually was yeah they, they base that on ticket sales ticket sales or tickets that they actually hit the door or something like that so yeah i, I guess we're gonna have to wait and see it's gonna be a big number that's all we know <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, hopefully it's bigger than last year. That way they can prove all the naysayers wrong. All right. right. All right, cool. So that's Hamvention and our amateur radio discussion for this week. And let's move on to some open source topics, which is one of the other things we do here. So uh, we're going to have to rely on Bill here. He threw a few things into the Etherpad before we uh, started up the show. So some of these I actually know about, uh, but I definitely do not know about the first one. So let's let's talk distros. Okay, so uh, Duvian or Devuin, Devuin, something like that. <laughs> this just uh, just was just was released uh, just the other uh, day in the news cycle. I, I saw it. Uh, so here it is. Devuin GNU Linux is a fork of Debian without System D. I guess this is for everybody that hates System D. The latest 1.0 release is a Jesse release. Long term support uh, marks an important milestone towards the sustainability and the continuation of. Devuin, do Devuin, hell, I don't know, as a, <laughs> as a universal base distribution. Since the Exodus uh, declaration in 2014, infrastructure has been put in place to support Devuin's missions uh, to other users to control over their system. Uh, provides a continuity as a safe upgrade path from Debian 7 and a flawless switch from Debian 8 that ensures the right to init freedom I guess we should uh, should uh, put bold marks and quotation marks around that. Init <laughs> freedom and avoids entanglement. And you can find that over on uh, devuan.org. That's D-E-V-U-A-N.org. All right. Well, I know that I've had my problems with systemd and actually upgrading from various versions of Debian, specifically 7 to 8, where the transition from sysv init to systemd occurs. But my issues with that were technical. This makes it sound like there might be a licensing issue with systemd. Do we know? I'm going to look it up real quick what the licensing of systemd is. Yeah, I'm not sure on that. Uh, it's uh, LGPL 2.1 plus. So, you know, 2.1 or newer. Yeah. So, and what is the thing about LGPL? There's a specific 
specific caveat with the LGPL license. What is it about LGPL? Is it not copyleft? The LGPL was developed as a compromise between the strong copyleft of the GNU license, the GPL, and more permissive licenses such as BSD and MIT. The word lesser in the title shows that LGPL does not guarantee the end user's complete freedom in the use of software. It only guarantees the freedom of modification for components licensed under the LGPL, but not for any proprietary components. Okay, so apparently that means you can include uh, proprietary, like, uh, binary software in there, and it may not be fully copyleft. So, yeah, it's a weaker it's a weaker open-source license. That's That might yeah. be some of the issue with SystemD. Again, there's also the problem with converting SysVinit to SystemD, which can have its problems. In a lot of cases, they have a fully integrated SystemD, but then they shim everything from SysVinit, so, so that it actually looks like both systems exist on the, on the machine at the same time, even though it's... It's actually using systemd. There's kind of a transitional problem there, and I've I've been a victim of that in the past. So, <laughs> but anytime they've done like major, you know, major transitions and stuff like that, it's always slightly breaking. Right. Jay Lindsay in the chat room says you can include the LGPL in proprietary software. So there you go. So two reasons why you might want to use DevUN, Dev Dev One, the DevUN. It's uh, something like that, I'm, yeah, I'm sure. We right. <laughs> Somebody can pronounce it somewhere. I, I should have checked on the website whether, uh, whether they had a pronunciation guide. D-E-V-U-A-N. So, there. Devon. Yeah. yeah. should be. Anyway. Software freedom your way. I don't see a pronunciation guide here. That's pretty bad. <laughs> All right. So, Bill, you've obviously been getting your gaming on. You've been looking at uh, gaming distros. We've talked about, like, Steam before and some of the Linux distros that are steam base like steam os and stuff like that and also uh, we've talked about Laka before on a previous episode i think that was before your time the last time we mentioned yeah it. so have you been like gaming a lot lately or what well no i, I just came across this article from Fossbytes, and uh you know i'm always looking for distribution so i was like oh well let me see what i can find here in the gaming world and uh this is a, a one of these clickbaiting uh links here for the best linux gaming distros uh, and it says gaming on Linux scene is improving each year with better hardware support and increasing support for from game developers. Apart from the established distros like Ubuntu and Arch Linux, gamers are using Linux gaming distros like Steam OS to get a better experience. And blah 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 blah. So uh, yeah, so I was looking at this and um, you know I was like, okay, so what's on the list? Oh yeah, Steam's there. Game Drift Linux hadn't heard of that before. Ubuntu Game Pack, yeah, I knew about that. Sparky Linux. But then I was looking at an in, in Ubuntu Game Pack, and I was like, it's pre-installed with Steam, Lutris, Wine, and Play on Linux. And I'm like, Lutris, what, what is that? And that, that is our next topic. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's really what intrigued me on this thing, because I'd never even heard of that before. Um, but also in this list here, before we switch topics, uh, uh, Solus was uh, listed. So that's nice to see that Solus is on the list. They're number six here. And I know that uh, Ike is is definitely uh, focused on gaming because he he has lots of videos on Google Plus of him gaming. So, <laughs> Laka still on the list at number seven. Manjaro uh, M Game version is on there, and then uh, Ubuntu is number nine as an honorable mention. I guess uh, the big distro can still come in there. But uh, but yeah, that led me on to my uh, my next topic there, which is Lutris. Which I don't know. Have you ever heard of this before? I have not heard about it. I I've seen uh, the website, and I know that it's kind of an overlay. It's kind of like a it's a distribution for aggregating gaming resources into uh, into a single 
sort of UI, I, I gather. Yeah, I kind of kind of looked at it like as a it's a, like another Steam type system that brings the games to your system, or you can manage your games or manage your library, whatever. But uh, Lutris is an open source gaming platform for GNU Linux. It allows you to gather, manage, install, configure, and launch all of your games acquired from any source in a single interface. And I believe this also allows you to link in your Steam account. Not like I would do that, but... <laughs> um, but yeah, it has a, a, a whole library of other games that are here uh, in the system itself. And I, I did install it on my system just to take a look at it. And it looks like uh, there's a lot of proprietary games on here as well. Um, but uh, some of them I believe you need uh, you know, either a ROM file or something, especially for some of these uh, um, console games that are listed on here. Because they have uh, console games for platforms... You know, you name it, it's it's on the list. The only thing I didn't see on the list was, uh, oh no, they have Dreamcast, so Dreamcast is on. But uh, it looks like they have a a bunch of games, and uh, you know, I, I suppose it's just the platform for getting these games on your system installed in such a way that if you had the software or the media where you could actually authenticate it, if there's DRM in the media, um, you would be able to pop that in there without a problem. So beyond installing it and adding an account and stuff like that, I really haven't looked at it and you know deeply enough. But you know we're not really a gaming podcast, so. <laughs> right. Uh, but I thought it was interesting. I, I'd never seen it before, so I thought I would uh, go ahead and put it on here and mention it. It also looks like there's some Wine integration in it as well because it looks like you can run um, Windows-based games in it as well uh, and aggregate them all together and just give yourself one one portal basically for accessing all all of your gaming resources so so if that's what you're into if you're a gamer and i know there must be at least one or two of you out there listening to this uh give lutris a try if you haven't already if you are a gamer you probably already know about this um the gamer you know uh linux gamers tend to be pretty savvy about the linux gaming distros from from what i've seen they they seem to know it all already (laughs) (laughs) they're pros they are pros they're elite but but when you're gaming on Linux, you almost have to be leet because it's not yes. quite the same. It's not quite the same world as uh, Windows gaming or uh, console gaming. Yeah, yeah, it takes a, it takes a little bit more effort in some cases to get some of these games to run, you know, right. especially the Windows only one. Alrighty then, so Windows 10 S won't let users install Linux. What the hell? So like yeah, a few weeks ago they had that uh, big conference at Microsoft or that show that was streamed online, and they showed off these fancy new. Uh, surface uh, uh, notebooks with fancy colors and everything else and they introduced windows 10 s to everybody which is uh i guess the s was for really for student it's their entry into uh, the lower end uh, market where um, the systems can only install software off of the microsoft store and that that comes with a little bit of a caveat as we found out with these linux distros because these uh you know being able to run bash on windows and so on and so forth we've been talking about it you know, here regularly, you know, installing Ubuntu or Arch or, you know, Suzy can be installed now on, onto Windows. And they had just recently added them to the App Store or I guess the uh, Microsoft Store. I don't, I don't know what they call it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's just called Store on, you know, the icon says Store on the computer. So Right. The Windows um, Store, I'm sure. Yeah. Windows Store, Microsoft Store, what have you. Um, so people had, a, had originally assumed that, oh, well, you'll be able to install these Linux distros on these 10S computers. And they will just run fine. Well, unfortunately, the 10S computers don't allow any interaction with the command line or PowerShell, which is basically where you know these Linux distros are using this, this Windows subsystem for Linux 
that's been around for a while that is interacting with PowerShell <laughs> and the command line and and some of those base level uh, base level interfaces for the operating system. So as of right now, you will not be able to use Bash or anything else in a 10s environment. For most users, that probably won't be a big deal. But uh, if you if you happen to buy one of these fancy new Surface books and want to put Linux on there, at least in a way that uh, Microsoft allows you to put it on there, you will have to upgrade to Windows 10 Pro. So a little pay-to-play. And that story's uh, over on uh, OMG Ubuntu. Well, it's not really a shocker that they're going to charge money to let people do what they want with their computers. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's 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 typical. But, yeah, there was some hope. A lot of people were, you know, eyes open pretty wide, like, oh, 10S, oh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, if, we, if you put it into the store, you can still use it, right? So, you know, you expected, like, Google Chrome to be in the store and everything else. But uh, in some cases, it, it won't won't. Won't matter. I had a good conversation with somebody at Hamvention. I don't remember who was talking about doing all kinds of stuff using uh, Bash on Windows, including running apps, uh, full X apps and stuff, which I thought was pretty neat. Uh, yeah, I, if you run an X server on your box, you can definitely run any X app. Yep, I had never heard of anyone actually coming up and saying that they were doing that. You know, all the all that we've ever talked about is actually running you know CLI based applications and maybe incurses stuff uh, on you know in the Bash shell for Windows. But uh, this gentleman was using it, you know, for full-blown, you know, desktop apps. So, Oh, that's interesting. I, I was always doing it with uh, Sigwin because you could do the same thing. You could run the Sigwin uh, XWin server and, uh, yeah, run any GUI app you wanted to. Yeah, so. and I, I mentioned Sigwin to him, but that's a, that's a full environment. That's a full Linux environment that runs on, you know, Windows, of course. And, uh, well, not much more different than the way the Bash runs on Right, there. and actually, the Bash is more well integrated than Sigwin. Sigwin is really just a you know running a command line interpreter for the shell, and then everything else is uh, interpreted from that point. Right, very cool. People are doing some neat stuff out there, especially uh, circumventing Windows in in all kinds of ingenious ways, which uh, <laughs> we we wholeheartedly endorse. But you could just avoid the whole problem and run Linux instead. I guess. Yeah, it's much easier. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole lot easier. All right, so moving on from that, let's talk a little bit of Linux in the ham shack. Did the guy from FD Log Enhanced come by the booth? I want to say he did. Uh, you know, I think he did. I didn't get a chance to talk to him, but um, I was I was searching around because I was like, oh, field day's coming up. Let me uh, just take a look around at logging programs. And then I came across this, and I'm like, that sounds really familiar, but we haven't talked about this one before. There is a FD Log, but uh, this one's a FD Log enhanced must yeah. be uh it used special. to be fd log specific to a club i think an amateur radio club and i want to say the guy who wrote it and or maintains it came by the booth and mentioned it to me i think i have a business card where he mentioned it and if you actually look up fd log enhanced it goes back to the github where you can find the original thing it was called okay his name is scott hibbs yeah, this guy's Scott Hibbs. It's on his GitHub. Yeah, Sky S, uh, used to be SCICSG.org that was maintaining it, and that is... Uh, South Central Indiana Communications Support Group, Inc. Yeah, apparently they're the ones, uh, and this Scott is a member of that group, who modified FDLog, the original FDLog, for their own purposes, and then put it back up on GitHub as FDLog Enhanced. So, what did you have specific about FD Log Enhanced? Uh, nothing special. I was just going to just briefly talk about uh, what it actually is. It's a multi-platform, stable field day logging program for uh, amateur radio clubs and groups. It's distributed to database via wireless and tracks operations. Uh, who's 
uh, who's on which band and stuff like that. So this is a complete login solution for networked stations, uh, which makes it interesting. A lot of people had asked us about logging, contest logging for network stations, and this is definitely one that falls into that category. And uh, it uh, quickly downloads from uh, from GitHub, and uh, it's it basically runs Python. And I was able to get it up and running in little to no effort, <laughs> which is always good. I haven't uh, I haven't fully configured it yet, and the colors are kind of wonky. So I will I will play around with that and give more feedback later on it. But uh, uh, definitely looks like uh, it has all the uh, all the features you would need for uh, for a contest logger. Um, but I'll do more, I will do more research on it later, but I did want to mention it since by the time this gets out, it'll be closer to field day. And, um, it's definitely an option for you. If you're looking for a Linux logging program for field day, try that out. Um, there's also a few other ones that uh, we've talked about in the past, uh, SO2 SDR, which is, uh, not a very popular one, at least in the list, you know, it doesn't come into the ham radio pure blend. I would check that one out. That one also supports field day. It also has a couple of unique things in it. Uh, I like the interface on that one very what very much. Um, Xlog, of course, Tuknak, and YFK <laughs> test. And if if you have crossover Linux, <laughs> if you have the paid version, you can probably install N1 MM Plus, which is not Linux, but you can get it running on Linux. That's the one that everyone talks about when they talk about contest loggers, and they're like, well. There's two things that people talk about when they come by the booth. The first one is uh, HRD. That's uh, can we run HRD on Linux? And we always have to say no, you can't. Um, you used to be able to when HRD was a little less um, uh, assholeish. I guess I don't know. <laughs> is that a word? Anyway, um, you know, back in when it was version four, you could run it under Wine, and it was actually it would actually run pretty effectively. But as soon as they retooled it and went to version 5, and I don't have any idea what version they're on now, it does not run anymore. And I don't know if it runs in crossover. I have no uh, urge or desire to try uh, to see if it works. And then yeah, it, in, in the uh, contest logging field, it's it's always N1MM. Everyone loves N1MM, especially because of the, the ability to uh, log to a single location from multiple workstations. That's That's the thing that everybody loves about it. So... Yeah, the synchronized logging is pretty slick. And I think there are a couple of projects out there, some we've mentioned in the past, especially the that newest one that's going to be PHP-based, uh, I believe will be able to do uh, distributed logging. So um, it's just not uh, not ready for prime time yet, but we're, we're keeping up with it. So hopefully there'll be something out there to compete with N1MM pretty soon, and we'll be able to, to lavish our affection all over it. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, it would. With that, uh, oh, and don't forget about Field Day uh, comes up the last weekend in June, which is uh, not very far off at this point. So uh, yep. get out there and operate, and I'm sure we'll be talking about Field Day uh, in the next couple of episodes um, that will be recorded before it actually gets here. Get ready for that, and maybe we'll have to get Cheryl out and do some operating on Field Day. You've tried to take me out on Field Day before. It's not really accessible. Well, we'll figure something out, because now you... Now you have a call sign. So now you have to do some stuff. Yeah, actually, we'll only have one episode before that because Field Day is on the 24th. Oh, yeah. So okay. we're doing one on the So 15th. we'll have the 12th and then, you know, the 26th. We'll have a Field Day wrap up where well, you can say you all the Field right. Day places you couldn't get to. Right. Yay. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> yeah, see, that's another thing. You can just, you can bitch at all those people who don't have accessible Field Day locations. Uh, so far, we haven't found any. Well, that's what I'm saying. You can complain some more. We, we well, did ours at a Cabela's last year, so I mean, you know, there's got to be places that people are doing it that are 
a little bit more here here locally russ went out a couple years ago to do field day and here locally one group had their set up in an rv another one they had all their stuff set up in cargo trailers well there's one that had like the, the thing of it is they they set up at like a red cross office yeah which has lots of you know flat paved surfaces and they they decided to set everything up on the lawn well, and that's that's where all the cargo trailers were too, right? Because you so. were up in cargo trailers, and I was sitting there playing Monster Busters or something on my phone, right? And then there so. was the one in Nixa that it was that was in an RV or a bus or something. Well, it was in a, one of the like emergency command centers for the sheriff's department. Yeah, or something. The, you yeah. know, one of those, and it was like you know in the middle of a perfectly flat paved parking lot, and then all of the equipment was inside the vehicle, so it wasn't accessible. So, yeah, well. Well, you know, if you're on at field day and you're working the whole time on it, you know, sometimes being on top of pavement is not the <laughs> not the greatest thing. No, not right. the greatest yeah. thing. You know, that radiant heat kind of hitting you and stuff like that. So I can I can understand why uh, some of them become that way. But uh, generally, you know, field days are for the public, and you want them to be as accessible as possible. I mean, if you don't want the public to be there, then have it somewhere where nobody knows where it's at. You know, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. We complained about this before, and on a previous episode, somebody from one of the clubs, I think in Joplin, might have been like the JARC or whatever they are down there, had said that theirs was accessible, but we did not get to Joplin to see. So, yeah, we might have to do that. Sounds like an invite. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really all we've got for this episode, except for the you know couple of segments we are going to talk about after the music, which I am going to steal some music from this last Friday's Bugcast, because that's a great place to, to get music. And I don't always like the music they pick, but this last episode was fantastic. Pretty much loved every track they had. So I'm just going to grab one of those at random, and we'll play that here. This is uh, a group called Explosive Ear Candy, and I want to say we might have played one of these, one of their tracks, I don't know, a long, long time ago. But uh, I will look up the information about them, because I'm just picking this at random, like I said, and uh, put that information in the show notes. I don't even know where they're from or how old this track is, and I usually give you all that information, but uh, we'll have that for you in the show notes either way. So this is a song called New Life, uh, apparently released sometime this year, 2017, uh, by Explosive Ear Candy. So let's uh, take a listen to this, and then we'll move on. Is kissing my face You know what they say You need to have darkness In order to see the light And love is A strange little creature You chase her and miss her Till one day you find her Waiting there by your side This is my time Different. Ooh, I can't quite 
Again, that was Explosive Ear Candy with New Life. It was released on April 22nd, 2017. Explosive Ear Candy is a brainchild of the muse-infested mind of L.A. songwriter Tal Moore. Features explosively infectious rock, pop, and other furry animals. <laughs> okay. That's what their thing says. So. You, mean, you mean like a... Badger. <laughs> I, I was just looking at the uh, the website. on. We had a, a comment there on uh, 190 was from Scott Hibbs. So maybe that's what you saw. He said he was at Hamvention on Saturday. He stopped by that morning, but it was so crowded, I decided to move on. And then he left a note that in my spare time, I've been modifying an open source program called FDL Log Enhanced. It's Python multi-platform, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that was probably it. And we will get to all of the feedback and stuff. There's lots of feedback and there's lots of uh, new folks in the social media roundup. And we're just not going to be able to get to that this oh, week. I but got we- Facebook done. Okay, well, we're still not. We can we can do what we've got, but anybody who doesn't get mentioned this week will definitely get mentioned two weeks from now. All right. So, including all the feedback, there's uh, voicemails and stuff too. So, and we'll, like ten pages of mailing list people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah something like there's that. There's quite yeah. a little bit of everything. Yeah, so we'll get to it all. I promise. And yeah, it, and see, and that's a difference from Hera because at Hera we might have a page, page and a half. Yeah, this time we came home with a novel. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And to jump back to our, one of our earlier topics about the gaming distro, uh, Lutris, Jay Lindsay in the chat room said, this is exactly what caused Valve to build SteamOS, Microsoft experimenting with locking people into their app store. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. So looking at the chat room, we have a few folks. We have Jay Lindsay and we have KC9ZMY. That's That's Don right there. Yeah, that's Don. Yeah, that's Don, the, uh, the, you know, the gift to podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so saith uh, Jeremy, KF7IJZ. I think Kale said it too, right? Uh, yes, I believe he did as well. And we had Kale drop by on our uh, Hamvention Day 2 wrap-up as a little uh, impromptu. <laughs> he came over to say hello, and we said, put some headphones on. We got, <laughs> we're going to talk to you for a little while. <laughs> So yeah, we roped him into a few minutes on there. So if you want to check if you're if you don't get enough of Kale on his own podcast, you can listen to him over here as well. Exactly. All right. So that's that. So we got the music in. We got all of the first segments in. And thanks again to Dave and Caroline and the Bugcast for uh, putting out a great show. They air it every Friday night. Friday night for them. Friday afternoon yeah, for us. For us, right? Check out the Bugcast. The Bugcast dot org. And now traffic and weather on the nine. <laughs> 
Anyway, so we're going to move on from that. And guess what? We are going to push our announcements and feedbacks and all of that kind of stuff to the next episode. So look for all that in 192 and jump right into food. It's Cheryl's Recipe Corner. Woo! Yay! Yeah, since today was Memorial Day and we typically barbecue along with the rest of the world, I think. Russ and I had ribeye steaks with a garlic sage butter, uh, caprese salad, uh, sourdough bread from Silver Dollar City Theme Park in Branson, Missouri. A skewer that I had potatoes, onions, tomatoes, and bacon skewered, you know, laced through. A lote and a strawberry cheesecake jar dessert with a lime strawberry rum spritzer. And tonight's recipe is for the Mexican street corn, also known as a lote. So, and for that, you need four ears of corn, a third of a cup of mayonnaise, not Miracle Whip, a third of a cup of sour cream, tablespoon of lime juice, some chili powder, salt, and pepper to taste, and about a quarter cup of shredded Parmesan, not grated Parmesan. Um, the, there's a couple of different ways you can do it. Um, I typically boil my corn on the stove until it is done and then have rust throw it on the grill for a few minutes. Um, so, you know, if you want to follow my recipe, um, boil your corn on the stovetop for 12-ish minutes until it's cooked through. While the corn is cooking, mix all the other ingredients together in a bowl and set aside. Once your corn is finished cooking, drain it well and place it on the grill for a few minutes, um, you know, rolling it until the uh, kernels begin to lightly char. Once the corn is charred, remove and immediately coat using a grill brush or a knife with the, uh, mixture of the mayonnaise and sour cream and stuff and enjoy and i trust you will probably love the stuff because everybody that i know that has ever tried it absolutely loves so it is very good it's very addictive and you can make that into like a corn side as well you can actually cut the corn off yeah i've actually done it as a casserole and just make a little corn salad or something like that yeah Yeah. and that that's almost exactly the same recipe that we use for our our kind of grilled corn salad right yeah (laughs) and if you don't want to uh, boil your corn you can grill it in the kernels or in the husks on your grill, or roll in some foil and grill it, or however you want to, however you want to get it cooked till it's done. All right, very good. So I'm going to do a quick whiskey corner, and I just now opened this bottle. We actually bought it on the way to Hamvention because I was planning to do this at Hamvention, and it never happened. What I have here is a 12-year-old Port Dundas uh, single grain Scotch whiskey. I don't know if single grain is the same thing as single malt, and I also am not really sure of the like region on this as well. I, um, it's actually made in Port Dundas, Glasgow, so I don't know what that characterizes it for a region. It is 80 proof, 40% bottling. It doesn't say anything about being non-chill filtered, so it may not be. Aged in American oak casks. So I'm going to nose it here and see what I get off of it. Well, it's very light, light, fruity, citrusy. I don't get much in the way of peat. There's a little bit of like salt, kind of like a sea air, and a little bit of like uh, maybe fennel, light vanilla. And it's actually very, it's very light and sweet to the nose. So I actually really like the nose on it. I hope the taste follows well. So let's try it. Wow, that's super sweet. It does have like a blended character. It's so... It's so sweet and smooth. It uh, reminds me kind of like a lighter drambuie, which is like a, that's a very desserty, aged and sweetened scotch, blended scotch. And this has a character very similar to that. Uh, it's a little bit drier, a little oaky, a little vanilla, citrus, salt, 
uh, that, that fennel kind of taste to it. But there's also something in there that's like a basic sugar sweetness, almost like a little um, simple syrup kind of taste to it. It's surprisingly sweet, and if this actually is a single malt, uh, they've actually done quite a good job with it. So I have the definition of malt versus grain. The definition that I looked up says both words in single malt mean something very specific. Let's start at the end. Malt means that it's made entirely from malted grain. Practically speaking, it's always, always malted barley, but there's no reason why you can make a single malt rye. In Scotland, the rules are a bit different. Single malt must be made from barley. Single means that whiskey is a product of a single distillery. It does not mean that it's a result of a single distillation run or even a single barrel. In fact, most Scottish single malt distilleries use a very careful blending process to produce a consistent single malt product. Single grain is kind of a long lost cousin to single malt. Single in the name tells you it too is a product of a single distillery. But unlike single malt, single grain doesn't need to be made from barley, nor does the grain need to be malted. Instead, single-grain whiskeys are often made from wheat, corn, or a blend of the two. So, we have a little education on the difference between single malt and single grain, uh, but I actually really like this. And it's a little bit on the sweeter side, so it might be kind of like an aperitif thing, like a, an after-dinner single-grain scotch, if you want to try that. I'm not sure what else to say about it, but I, I am enjoying it quite a bit. And, you know, considering I just took it out of the bottle and uh, just kind of winged it on the flavors on the nose and on the palate... Uh, I, I quite like it. Color, very, very light color, very, very light caramel color. It's almost like uh, it's like gold, like spun gold kind of look to it. Uh, the cost, I believe we spent like right at $40, 42-ish, I think Something, is what we spent yeah. on this uh, particular fifth. So not terribly expensive. And as far as uh, rating on my 100-point scale, I'm going to give it 87. So that's wow. very good. I mean, it's certainly not the best thing out there, but it's different. It's got a nice character to it. And if you're a fan of Drambuie at all, as an after-dinner scotch, uh, I think you could drink this a little more regularly. It's not as sweet, uh, and it has a nice character to it. So give Port Dundas 12-year a try. The Port Dundas distillery was located in the center of Glasgow, next to the 4th and Clyde Canal. Distillery is founded in 1810. Yeah, I think they had they got the grains or something or the recipe after they closed, and now they're recreating it. I think is what the deal. Yeah, is. the distillery closed in 2010, uh, just after celebrating their 200th anniversary. Diageo switched most of the single grain whiskey production to the Cameron Bridge Distillery in North British, which they run in conjunction with the Edrington Group. All right, moving on. We do have a bit of a social media roundup we can get to for tonight take a quick look at the chat room don't see really a whole lot going on in there so let's do the social media roundup and this week for our social media roundup for subscriptions we have jonas rulo robert doherty michael conley michael aello kevin murray bill stearns robert halliday james blocker scott pettigrew doug redder alan wilson ronald ike bob yerke wayne carpenter john clark john fotchke steven saner Jeremy Hall, Donald Gever, Dylan Engel, Robert Pitts, Johnny Kinsey, Edward Donnelly, Charlie Brown, Brian Smith, Bill Piotr, Christopher Weaver, Darren King, and Paul Griffith. For Facebook, we have Nicholas Arondo, Sean Robinson, Corey Shields, Glenn Packer, Noah Adam- Adamson, Ken Nowinski, Don- uh, excuse me, Denton Larson, Ali Furr, Jeff Tickle, John Helt, Don Clayton, John Martell, Matthew Pollard, 
Ian Beals and Clayton Luther. All right, and for all the people who have joined the mailing list or signed up on YouTube or Facebook or all of those that we did not get to this week, we will roll them into the next couple of weeks and we will put them all out in the next episode so we're fully caught up. As far as merchandise sales, we have a bunch of merchandise left over from Hamvention plus some new stuff that we're going to be putting out, including T-shirts. And that stuff I'm going to be actually putting up on the lhspodcast.info site where you can purchase them, and they will be significantly cheaper than they were before at Cafe Press. So hopefully they'll be affordable for everyone. Uh, We've been able to get a, a local printer to get us product for a lot less than we could get from Cafe Press. Uh, so we've actually got some merchandise we can sell and hopefully that will get it out there and you'll be able to, uh, get some neat stuff, uh, that's LHS branded for, uh, a lot less than you, you had to go through before. I always hated the markups on cafe press. They take such a huge cut. And like, even if you're spending, you know, 25 or $28 for a shirt, we only got like a dollar of it. So we're going to try and circumvent that whole problem, and we'll have a whole uh, e-commerce setup on LHS Podcast on Info coming up shortly, so look out for that. <laughs> and we will catch up on all the feedback and all the social media stuff uh, in the next episode. And all 47 pages of mailing lists. And the mailing list, yeah, yeah. That's going to be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Thanks, everybody, for, for tuning in. Uh, if you were live or if you're listening after the fact to us, uh, And thank you once again to all of our donors and benefactors. Uh, We appreciate each and every one of you and for making Hamvention 2017 uh, such a resounding success. And we can't wait for 2018. Yes, because we're hog-tying Bill and dragging him back yet (laughs) again. (laughs) Yep, he's been served. (laughs) All right, so that means, I think, that we're down to the end of the show, so I can push that little button there and say... You can become an LHS ambassador. Visit the website for upcoming events and information on how you can represent Linux in the Ham Shack at a nearby LinuxCon or Ham Fest. We love feedback. You can email us at info at lhspodcast.info, comment on an episode on the website, post on Google+, Facebook, or Twitter, or leave us a voicemail at 1909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1909-547-7469. Ooh, and I killed that. So let's put that back where it belongs. There it goes. <laughs> hey, we can make a mistake every now and then. Sure. Visit our IRC <laughs> channel, Octothorpe LHS Podcast, on Freenode, and subscribe to our mailing list. Show merchandise from coffee mugs to t-shirts to wall clocks and all kinds of other stuff can be purchased at cafepress.com, stroke LHS Podcast, and very soon at lhspodcast.info. You can also help the show by clicking on the sponsored ads on the right-hand column of the homepage. Listen to us live every other Monday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. That's early Tuesday morning, 0100 Zulu in the summertime and 0200 Zulu in the wintertime. Our recording schedule and countdown timer to the next episode are on the website, so please visit http colon stroke stroke lhspodcast.info for everything you ever wanted to know about the show and probably a few things you didn't. Thank you to all of our listeners, live and quasi-live, past, present, and future, and to those who have given their time, years, shares, and money for the program. We appreciate each and every one of you. So for me, for us, K5TUX, this has been episode number 191 of Linux in the Ham Shack. And with me tonight, as has been for many, many shows, 
We have Bill, NE4RD. 73, everyone. And we have the newly minted Cheryl, Kilo Echo Zero. <laughs> November Lima Cherry. Uh, yeah, Cherry. There we go. November yeah, yeah. Lima Cherry. Yeah. <laughs> nice Lady Cheryl. And what was the other one? Oh, newly licensed Cheryl. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So KE0NLC. Yes. Good night, everyone. All right, and we will catch you in two weeks' time for episode number 192. Take care, everyone. vodka.